0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the
1: inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello there and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red Podcast with the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and alongside me today are two men who travelled to Bournemouth together at the weekend. First of all, we do have our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. James is currently down at Anfield where he's been there for Jürgen Klopp's press conference ahead of the Napoli game, so he is on the line. Hiya, James.
2: How you doing, Joe? You okay? I'm good,
1: thank you. How are you? All good,
2: thanks. All, All good. good. Yeah.
1: I'm Connor Dunn. Hello, Connor Dunn.
0: Hello, Joe Rimmer. Are you still well?
1: I'm still well. Yeah, I'm still well. From good. Five seconds ago. Very pleasant. Did you enjoy? Your how does it ball? feel to
2: be Ian Doyle today?
1: Uh, it never feels good to be Ian Doyle. I don't think even even <laughs> Ian Doyle feels good to be Ian Doyle. But um, we'll keep the Ian Doyle slagging to a minimum. We don't we don't need to think about him now. He's not here. So, um, anyway, he's, he's time does return from a holiday perfectly for Manchester United at home. It's funny how. That worked out. Interesting how it works out, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. good for him. Anyway, did you both enjoy your trip to Bournemouth? Connor, who first?
0: I love my trip to Bournemouth to be honest. They're a very pleasant club and I watched the Reds absolutely smash them Mm 4-0, so it can't be bad. Happy
1: man. James, you've done that journey a fair few times now. Uh,
2: Yeah, it it doesn't get any closer to Liverpool, I've got to be honest. (laughs) uh, It's a a lovely club, Bournemouth. I think probably the, the friendliest club in the Premier League and the uh so, like, once you're there, it, it's always very pleasant, and more often than not, it's been successful for Liverpool. But um yeah, it's it's just a bit of a a bit of a nightmare in terms of getting there and back. I think we did it in about six hours coming back. I can yeah. attest to that. Um, sitting in but, the back uh, in the middle, yeah.
1: <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Thankfully, the off, so...
2: having uh, having Chelsea, Man City on the radio helped.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it did. Well, what wasn't very pleasant for Bournemouth was Liverpool's performance. They dominated. James, um, I think you've mentioned a couple of times now. Did you feel that like that was back to Liverpool at their very best?
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was definitely the most complete Liverpool performance of the season so far. Um, just the, the balance of the side looked looked great for me on 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 Saturday. I thought defensively again, uh, really commanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, you know, only very rarely did they give Bournemouth even a sniff. And then going the other way um, looked, looked really, really dangerous. And you know, I, I know Eddie Howe had a big moan about the, the opening goal. And Salah was marginally offside when he, when he tucked the ball away after Dagovic had made a hash of Firmino's shot. But um, in the second half, Liverpool absolutely blew Bournemouth mm-hmm. away. And I don't think <laughs> that offside decision had any impact at all on the outcome because there was a big golfing class between the teams and Mo Salah deservedly... Grab the headline headlines because of, he was absolutely sensational. But um, it was far far from a, a one man demolition job. It was a it was a proper team performance with with Liverpool. You know, I thought they were they really shone in in all departments, and um, you know we haven't been able to say that very often this season.
1: Yeah, well, I, I know you, the whole team does deserve the credit, but we will talk about Mo Salah. We we can't not Connor. Um, this was most Salah uh, at his absolutely scintillated best, wasn't it? He was just on fire, tormented Bournemouth. I think the second goal that was my favourite when he, he refused to go down under Steve Cook's challenge and just, he was just a joy to watch, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, to be honest, it was absolutely sensational to be there to watch that. It was an absolute privilege to watch a player play like he did. It was just simply incredible. I mean, my favourite goal was probably the third one, just to tease and toy with Begovic yeah. like he did. I think he might have been the only person in the world that didn't realise Salah was going to chop him again. Yeah. But nonchalant finish outside of his left foot, past Aki, defending on the line. It just had such class about everything he did on the pitch, and it wasn't even just the goals. He created loads of chances for Liverpool. He just caused so many problems for the Bournemouth mm-hmm. defence. His movement, his pace, he just they just could not cope. And yeah, it was it was sublime to watch.
1: I know. A lot of people were talking on social media afterwards about Salah not celebrating. And I say that in inverted commas because I think he did celebrate his goals. But you asked Jürgen Klopp, didn't you, Connor, about it afterwards? Did he seem to have any worries about it at all?
0: No, not at all. And he, he just said he didn't see it, to be perfectly honest. He didn't give a F- particularly
1: the Wenger, did he? complete <laughs>
0: answer. But I mean, I think you've got to look at it like Salah for the first goal was marginally offside. And I don't know if he's trying to play it cool there and act like, you know, a bit, under the radar to kind of influence the referee a little bit to give the goal the second goal he's obviously had studs raked down the yeah. back of his achilles and he's clearly fuming about that so he he looks like he gives a little stare back to steve cook after he scores that's a might be a reason he's not celebrated there and then the third goal he's stood in front of the liverpool fans arms aloft as if yeah, to yeah. be like look at me i am the king which you know I could call that a celebration all
1: day of the week. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. James, you talked about the defensive performance. Uh, I'd like to, to pick two players out. But first of all, making his 500th appearance in the Premier League, uh, James Milner, showing once again what a wonderful pro he is. How I'm impressed were you at uh, right back with of James Milner?
2: Yeah, I, I thought he was he was very impressive. He's just, as, as you said, then, just a, a thoroughly top professional, isn't he? There's very, very few players who have. Uh, who have played the game at the level he's played at for so so long, I think only the thirteenth in the Premier League era to get to, to five hundred league games and just underlined that the weekend is ongoing value to Jurgen Klopp because, you know, he's not a nailed on starter every week, but you know, he's one of those players who the manager knows he can he can count on if, if and when he, he needs him. Um, you know, made a, a big, big contribution at Burnley in midweek with that brilliant finish from the edge of the box. His reward for that was to be instantly banished to left-back for the last half an hour. No complaints, just got his head down um, and did a, a thoroughly decent job there. And then at the weekend, I think you, you could tell on the Friday beforehand, Klopp was talking about concerns about Trent Alexander-Arnold's work rate that um, you know, I, I never thought we would probably would see Trent play at uh, the Vitality Stadium on Saturday. And Milner was obviously the obvious option. Um with 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 Gomez obviously missing and Klein missing at the moment, so and yeah, he just he did what you kind of know that James Milner would do. He's you know he's always a, a six or a seven out of ten, isn't he? You know he, mm. he, he never drops below that. He's uh, you know you, Klopp Klopp wouldn't have had any, any concerns about throwing him in, and you know it was a it was a lovely touch from from Salah after the game um, to, to, to to kind of t- turn down the, the the broadcasters' man of the match in the ward and and say he wanted Milner to have it because I think. That just kind of underlines the respect that all of the players in the dressing room have for someone like James Milner because of you know what he's achieved in the game and the way he's looked after himself to ensure he's remained at such a high level for so long.
1: James, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that if Liverpool are to win titles, people like James Milner, they're the sort of players you need in that squad, aren't they?
2: Yeah, well, he's one of the very few, isn't he, who's actually mm-hmm. been there and done it. I think you you kind of look around that dressing room and Klopp quite often talks about it, doesn't he? That he, you know, he said it again here today. Actually, his press conference before the Napoli game that you know we're not the most experienced team, um, and we've talked about it when Liverpool have got to major finals in recent years that they haven't had too many players who have who have, who have sampled those occasions and, and know what it takes to succeed at the absolute pinnacle. But Milner does, you know, he's he he's been there, he he's done it, and you know, despite the fact that he isn't going to start. 40-50 games, or whatever this season, but he, he's just—he's just a fantastic man and player to have around the dressing room because I mean, he is a leader, and you know what he gives Klopp extends far beyond what he does on a on a on a pit on the pitch.
1: Yeah, and the other player I wanted to pick out from that defence, um, and Klopp was keen to pick him out as well, it was Joel Matip. Who, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest—I've never not been Joel Matip's biggest fan, but I thought he played well at the weekend and when Liverpool had a f- quite a few injury problems, he stepped up and did very well?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, he really did. Yeah, I we are uh, both <laughs>
1: desperate to talk about Joel Matip. But I'll let you both let <laughs> the say.
2: <laughs> so I, did, I don't know if you were talking to me uh, or... No, I didn't. No, it is a problem the...
1: with this, this um, having you on the phone, James. <laughs> yeah.
2: But just, yeah, I mean, just, just on, on Matt, I think you're absolutely right. I think it, it filled me with a little bit of dread, the fact that, that Liverpool happened having to turn to him just because I don't think he'd, he'd been particularly impressive... Over the last 12 months, to be honest, I think he, you know, he was he was one probably back in January that I thought he would benefit from someone like Van Dijk coming in and and and, and really growing stature, but it didn't happen for him. It was actually Lovren who stepped up and went way ahead of him, really in terms of the the, the pecking order. And and then with Gomez's form in the early months of this season, you kind of thought, well, Matip, you know, is is well and truly fourth 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 choice center half probably be looking at a run out in the third round of the f a Cup, but mm. suddenly, with the way things have turned out with gomez and, and Lovren uh, being absent you know he's he's been catapulted back into the starting lineup, and I'm not surprised Klopp named checked him on Saturday, because you know i i thought he was absolutely terrible first half at Burnley last last week, but you know you have to factor in how little football he's played but You know, he he finished the game at Burnley a lot more confidently, and um, yeah, was was really commanding alongside Van Dyke at Bournemouth.
1: You still desperate to get something about Van Dyke off your chest, Connor? (laughs) <laughs> oh, about Matt if you mean <laughs> sorry yeah that, that No, was...
0: yeah to be honest it's only be a short thing to add to that really I just think he looked really assured and it's the first time I thought that about watching him play for a while obviously he hasn't been you know getting that rhythm getting that play in time but there are a couple of instances where he seemed to read the game really well letting it run through to Allison when there seems to be a bit of danger and just things like that and it just yeah I just think he seemed a lot a lot calmer than I've seen him before, which is really good to see. And obviously you can thank Van Dyke for that, I imagine. <laughs>
1: well, I know there are two players that you are quite excited to talk about that you thought combined very well. Uh, on one side, Kater Liverpool played a sort of strange formation, didn't they? It was like 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Yeah. Um, and on one side, they had Keita. On the other side, Shakiri. And you thought they played very, very well, didn't it?
0: I did yeah I thought to be honest I wrote in my piece afterwards and I think completely it's the creative spark that Liverpool have been calling for all season and they just the movement when both of them were on the pitch between both and Firmino and Salah was just absolutely incredible Bournemouth couldn't read it at all because you know I I didn't really know what they were going to do next they're just swapping and changing so much and they just got Liverpool on the front foot all the time and you know it was just great to see and When they do that and when their movement around the front of the Bournemouth defence is like that and when they're passing the way they do, it just allows somebody like Salah to go and show his quality and to go and wreak havoc in front of goal. So I think it all just lends itself to that. And I think we'll probably come on to this as well, but it helped to have Fabinho there. I thought this is one of the most complete performances that I'd ever actually seen from him. He got a on the front foot as he does and passed it well and had some great touch in the midfield, but also defended really well when he was called upon to. And I know a couple of times this season... He's been caught a little little too high, but he's just seemed to really work at Bournemouth.
1: Are you impressed by how versatile it was James? I mean, last season by and large it was four three three. You knew what you were getting. Whereas now they seem to approach games, every game's different. They they, they can play four, two, three, one, four, three, three, or a four-four-two. and this week we've seen three different formations and three different games, haven't we, James? <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and I remember it kind of goes back to to what Klopp said after Coutinho left um, back in January. You know, I, I remember speaking to him then, and him saying that that the, the, he said, you know, that obviously he didn't want to lose Coutinho. He he wanted ideally to keep hold of him, but he said he said the, the one thing without him is we can be a bit less predictable because he, he you know it, it tended to have been one system that he operated in, and I think we saw that in the the back end of last season, and then. Even more so this time around, because I think you know, Klopp has said he doesn't want opposition teams to be able to look at Liverpool and go, "Well, we know for a start they're going to play four-three-three." You know, that is the front three. You know, this that is going to be. You know, you, we're, we're talking about earlier on. I was talking with some colleagues about, the, you know, what do you think he'll do against Napoli? And I think I think it's difficult to yeah. difficult to predict because you know he, he has played three different systems in in the last week or so. Um, and and also, not only that, they've won one all three games as well. Um, and that he, he's got he's got fantastic options again. And where a few weeks ago we were we were we were saying that you know the midfield area was a a massive concern and was a, a you know a, really a weak a weak link, and that Liverpool were lacking that spark. Suddenly, we're talking about Cater and Fabino having really turned up and uh, and and shown their qualities. Uh, and now, you know, I think trying to pick a midfield for for Natalie on Tuesday night is actually really, really difficult.
1: It certainly is. What what do you think of those two, Cater and Fabinho? I mean, they're, they're two people who for me and I'm sure for Connor as well, the last week they've really stood out. They're really starting to show why Liverpool signed them and, and probably nail themselves down as two of the first choice central midfielders. What do you think? James, I'm talking to you. Is
2: that, uh, um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's just going to be really interesting to see what he does go with on Tuesday night because um, you know we, we still haven't obviously seen Fabino and, and Henderson uh, in, in the same team. Would you know? Would, I, I I thought he might have gone with the two of them down at down at Bournemouth, but he, he seems to. Again, it was interesting that he played Fabino, but he played him with Wijnaldum, Um and you know, I think it was—I think it was before the Burnley game last week when I asked him about Fabino's development, and he, and he kind of name-checked Wijnaldum then, at saying that you know he's he played his—you know—he played his best football for us so far alongside Wijnaldum, as if he feels that you know they—they they really complement each other brilliantly. Mm-hmm. So you think will he go with that tomorrow night? I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, I think a lot of fans would like to see Fabino and Cater in there, but. I don't know, but then then you think to yourself, well, having having left Henderson out down at Bournemouth, you know, he suddenly he's fresh. Does that mean that he's left him out of Bournemouth because he's thinking that he'll be he'll be one to come back in? Um, It's it's just it's really difficult to call. But I think you know, it's just it's just a great position for Klopp to be in, isn't it? The fact that. you know, we're, we're talking about how difficult it is to pick a midfield but for, for pleasant reasons it's not because people aren't delivering mm-hmm. it's, it's the fact that he's, he's, he's got kind of five or six players staking a claim
1: Yeah um, Obviously later in the evening Chelsea beat Manchester City 2-0 Connor um, it was just the perfect day wasn't it for Liverpool I, I think we all expected the City train to continue rolling on I think Klopp said as much in his pre-match press conference um, but We've seen signs of weakness, haven't
0: we? Yeah, I mean, James and I were talking. I think perhaps people were a little bit too quick just to say that this City team will never be beaten. Um, I think this proves to not just Liverpool and doesn't give Liverpool a boost, but pretty much everybody in the league. City can be beaten. Like 2 0 is is a decent scoreline. City haven't scored at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea, you know, put two past them. I think I found myself uttering the words, get in for a Chelsea goal for one of (laughs) the first times in my life. But. Yeah, um, it just, it certainly seems like there is points to be taken off of City. And they've obviously got a big injury list at the moment, you know, with the likes of De Bruyne, Aguero, Silva went off of a hamstring injury during that game as well. It's like serious talent. And obviously they've got massive squad depth. But when you start looking at those players, they are, you know, world, world world-class players and probably City's best, really. So, yeah, it's looking like a... A little bit of a swing in Liverpool's favour.
1: Yeah, how, how big a psychological impact do you think that could have? James Liverpool moving top and and City losing, becoming the first team to lose a game this season. Out the two of those teams.
2: Yeah, I think it it, it felt massive actually on Saturday. I think I know Klopp had played it down the, the day before at Melwood when he was he was asked about the significance of playing first and actually being able to put some pressure on City. But I, I think that was I think that was key. I think I think that will have played a part on on Saturday evening, the fact that, that suddenly City were, were knocked off top spot. I think um, you know, that certainly was always going to be one of their toughest games of the season outside of play in Liverpool, having, having to go to Chelsea. I think Sari was obviously demanding a reaction after a couple of poor results they've they've had of late. But I think, yeah, psychologically it's just massive, isn't it? Because as Connor said, I think people had been very quick to kind of Talk up this Man City team as arguably the one of the greatest ever, and you know, and how you know are they going? they going to repeat the you know the Arsenal Invincibles and, and all of that? And it's you know, it's we're still a, we're still in early December. You know, it's, it's crazy to be to be talking like that. And I think the fact that the fact that Chelsea have put one over them, I think you know, it, it just kind of blows away that myth a little bit that City are completely unbeatable. And I think it will give other teams. You know, belief as well going going into into facing them. That you know what, there's there's no reason to completely fear this city team. That that there are there are imperfections, there are weaknesses that you can you can actually exploit. Um, so yeah, it's you know, it, it 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 must be we we, we we've talked about how, how how it must be difficult for Liverpool to take the fact they've had their best start to a season ever in the top flight and weren't top, but. Now you know I, I think it, it must be pretty galling for City that they've had they've played as well as they have done. Had one slip up at a really really tough venue, and and suddenly they're the ones now playing catch up. And added to the mix, I think you know we'd also talked about our City's goal difference was effectively worth an extra point already. Yet because of what happened on Saturday, I think you know a fourteen difference is suddenly back down to eight, and you know even 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 that you know is is significant in itself.
1: Yeah. Were you what, what were you doing? Were you listening to it on the radio and on the car on the way back, it? Yeah, we were. <laughs> can you tell us how loud the James Pierce squeal was when the goals were in?
0: Yeah, he was pretty happy in the was front. I like, can attest. Yeah, yeah. It, was, uh, it was. was the James shots. driving. Uh, I think swerve, he was he in he? the passenger seat for the first oh, goal and right. driving for the second. Yeah, yeah, I, I, but yeah it was. Uh, it was. A, it was big scenes in the car. Was there big yeah. scenes
1: in the car? Um, that, that, the hunter's become the hunted, hey. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what we like to say, isn't it? Um, well, Let's
2: just say that that Burger King at Warwick Services tasted magnificent. <laughs>
1: it's a good, it's a solid foot service, isn't it? Warwick yeah, it's services, really decent, yeah. really decent
0: actually. Yeah. If you're ever travelling down that way,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. We had dinner there Friday night and Saturday night. You oh, know it's
0: Classy.
1: Yeah, very nice. Well, um, we could debate the, the the services all day, but we will move on to the Champions League tomorrow night. Um, pretty big game for Liverpool. James, you're at Jurgen Klopp's press conference. Uh, they're always strange, these Champions League press conferences. I, I always find that <laughs> the, the foreign journalist seems to have some really weird questions. Klopp seems to be almost, he looks bemused throughout. Um, it was Jürgen Klopp and it was Van Dijk. Uh, James, what was said?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're right. I think bemused <laughs> is probably the, the right word because also it's, it's a funny mix because you, obviously you do get the... The the occasional odd question from the foreign media you also get the fact (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm trying to be polite here, Joe. (laughs) Still in the room, you've also got the the other dynamic which Sky asks three or four questions, and they're obviously in denial the fact they don't have the Champions League coverage anymore, so they just pretend this isn't really about the Champions League, and so they're asking him about the title race and Joe Gomez's new contract. Um, so that kind of adds to kind of Klopp's thoughts. We you know what we're not even thinking about the Premier League. You know, we're here to <laughs> to talk about an a absolutely huge Champions League night tomorrow night. But um, yeah, amongst all of that, he was um, yeah. I think he I think he struck the right tone in terms of respect for Napoli, um, but also confidence that that this Liverpool team can can get the job done. You know, he, he, he talked about righting the wrongs of. Uh, of this what's been a pretty turbulent group stage really with, um, you know, it's crazy to think Liverpool have, you know, for, for all the brilliance they've produced in the Premier League so far this season failed to muster even a, a single point on their travels in the group the first time that's, that's ever happened to them. You know, Three pretty miserable performances uh, on their travels getting, getting punished but you know, thankfully the way that the other results have gone and the fact that they've beaten PSG and Red Star here Means that their fate still is their own hand in their own hands, and um, it's, it's, it's just a strange dynamic, isn't it, going into the game? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, you know, a one-nil win will do it, but suddenly, if, if Napoli score, then Liverpool need to win by two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be intriguing how he sets them up because I don't think it can be one of those European nights where Liverpool just go and look to try and blow blow them away early on I can almost see it being the kind of game where they they grow into it because I think he will be wary about committing too many players forward and and getting done on the counter the blood red podcast brought to you by footy-five play today at thepools.com
1: one of the things I did want to ask you James is I thought Klopp was particularly excellent when he was asked about Sterling and the situation at the weekend um I know we we're keen to talk about the game but I did want to get your opinion I thought, thought Klopp was great what what did you think of his reply when he when he spoke about that
2: Yeah it was spot on wasn't it I think you know everyone was everyone's seen the the scenes of of what went on at Stamford Bridge on Saturday night and it was absolutely sickening um you know of course you know Raheem Sterling gets a rough ride when he comes back to Anfield but that's that's purely for for f- football, re- football decisions, and 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 stuff that went on before he he left the club. You know, everyone stands toe to toe with him on on this one. Mm-hmm. And and Klopp, I think, put those put the put that stance of of the club across absolutely superbly because um, you know he he talked about how you know he, in a, in a way he said you know we shouldn't even be talking about these people because um, you know they don't deserve our respect, they don't deserve our attention. But he said, sadly, it's the reality that. Uh, a minority of people who attend football matches, no different to, you know, it's uh, sadly, it's a, it's a case that runs through society as well. Um, and he said they need to be, they need to be punished. So um, yeah, I think, you know, you've got to take your hat off to Raheem Stern. I thought it was brilliant what he posted on, on social media on, on Sunday. I think he's, I think he's right as well to expose um, the way in which certain sections of the media have have treated him at, at times um, and the, the double standards that's, that's gone on, um, and yeah, it's, it's you know when you when you think what well, week before we were talking about banana skin being thrown at um, when joined the North London derby, it, it, you know it feels like you're back in the 1980s again, and uh, it's just thoroughly depressing.
1: It is. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? It is thoroughly depressing. And it's crazy. I, I can't really quite believe when what I, what I see scenes like that. Um, but they really do have to crack down on this now, don't they, Connor? Because How's it, how's it still happening? I don't, I don't even want to sit here and debate it that much because, like Klopp said, I don't think people deserve the attention. But I, I, it does astound me that you still see these things happening. and There must be something they can do that's stronger than handing out a fine or, or even banning orders to these fans. I think other fans need to get the message that... or so-called fans need to get the message that these things cannot happen.
0: Yeah, but it just has absolutely no place in football. It has absolutely no place in society. It's an absolute disgrace what went on. And I think everybody of right-thinking mind is of the same opinion. I don't know what the punishment's going to be. I think it'll be up to Chelsea and the police. But at some point, they need to set a precedent to be like this. If this happens, then, you know, it's really serious consequences because it is just absolutely disgusting. Yeah,
1: it is. Uh, we'll, we'll move back onto the game because um, that is what you want to hear us talk about the football. Uh, James what what is you've been to all the european away this year what is it with liverpool in europe it does seem to be a bit of a jackal and hide situation we've seen them so good in the league so solid but in europe and on the road it just seems to be a little bit more they seem to be more jittery not as defensively solid and probably not as good going forward either can you put your finger on it
2: yeah i mean it, it is difficult to make sense of i suppose the most obvious starting place is the fact that liverpool were handed a really really difficult group i don't think we shouldn't be under any illusions about about that, you know. And not only not only difficult teams to play on the pitch, but also off it as well. Um, you know, you think of the game in Naples; that was a really hostile environment against you know, the second best team in Serie A. That you know, they're the nearest challengers to to Juventus, and you know, they've got a hugely experienced squad, and also you know, a, a ridiculously um, supremely gifted coach as well in Ancelotti um, a man who after Bob Paisley became the second man ever to win the, the Champions League three times so you know, that was a really bleak night when Liverpool just never ever got going and looked like they might just hold on for a draw and ended up losing in the last minute um, you know the, the big one for me was Belgrade because you know, that that was really unforgivable about how poor that, that performance was that night and um, you know, and, and if Liverpool had won that game, suddenly you know the the, the the whole complexion of the group would be so so different. And I think certainly Liverpool struggled to handle the the, the hostility of of Belgrade that night and wilted under the, under the kind of the, the pressure of that. I mean, P, PSG away, I actually didn't think it was that bad a performance. I thought Liverpool started badly, but you know when you're up against four attacking players of the caliber of the ones that PSG have got. It, Things like that can happen, uh, and Liverpool actually did really well for the last 50, 60 minutes over there, but unfortunately the damage was done. But, um, yeah, it's it's just been hard to make sense of because even when Liverpool haven't played particularly well in the Premier League this season, they've looked really well-disciplined, organised, resolute, resilient and ground-out results, yet away from home in Europe, they haven't been able to do that, um, despite the fact that they had some great results on their travels in the competition last season. But um, as we said before, they're just, you know, they're lucky the way that things have turned out, that they, that they have this, this kind of shot at redemption. And, you know, despite their issues away from home, you know, they did beat PSG here. I know it took a Firmino last minute goal, but Liverpool were much better than PSG that night. They completely overwhelmed Red Star. Um, And we know what Anfield's like on, on European nights. So, you know, I'm, I'm still hopeful that they can, they can get themselves out of, of a, of a kind of sticky predicament they created through their
1: own, uh, own, own fault. Conor, having seen the game in Italy and just seeing how dogged Napoli can be, um, it was a typical... It's, it's a bit of a, a cliché, isn't it? But a typical Italian performance. They dug in, they restricted resolute Liverpool. Defend, resolute, yeah. yeah. But how difficult is Liverpool's task tomorrow? And what what do you think is key to breaking Napoli down? Is it tempo? Is it an early goal? Is it the crowd? Is it all those things combined?
0: well of course all those things if Liverpool come out and play a high tempo get an early goal and the crowd are on their feet that's going to massively yeah, help yeah. Um, and that would be like a perfect storm but yeah James alluded to it there um, beyond under no illusion that this group was was pretty tough and the football the teams that they're playing against PSG Napoli are serious teams and their fans get bang up for the games too it's do, you, not do you think like, we're
1: guilty of underestimating Napoli? Because obviously when when the group was drawn we all looked at PSG and went oh god PSG but Napoli Come with such a pedigree, don't they? I mean, they had a great season last year, and it was only for Juventus being very, very good. Yeah, that they didn't win the title.
0: Yeah, I think maybe we all looked at that a little bit too fondly, perhaps mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, that'll be where Liverpool get their wins yeah, and go yeah. through. Um, they've got some serious talent in that side, in C- and, you know, particularly is just looks such a good player, yeah. and you know, be up to Van Dijk and Matip looks likely to play, be up to them to stop him. Um, but yeah I just think if Liverpool can continue and, you know the way they played against Bournemouth I think a lot of defenses across the world would find it hard to live with the way Keita Shaqiri Salah Firmino all played in that and throwing Mane into that mix and Mane's pace and ability it's only going to help um, so I think that will be key and obviously team selection will come down to it and we'll see where that goes tomorrow night but yeah it, it's, definitely, it's definitely where that lies
1: Is that the key area, James, getting that midfield selection right, so that Liverpool can start with a high templar on on the front foot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably his biggest dilemma, isn't it? I think because I think you you, know, you look at the the, the up and I think you know, clearly Trent Alexander Arnold was rested at the weekend with one I'm bringing him back for for Tuesday night. You know that will happen. You know we spoke earlier on about waiting on Lovren if if Lovren. You know it's this tough up between Lovren and Matip to partner. Do you think Lovren will Van Dyke? I think I think the front three pick themselves with you know Sadio Mane great to see improve his fitness off the bench at Bournemouth but I, I don't know I just think I think it, it's just going to be intriguing to see whether Klopp is prepared to to really go for it and 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 you know and play say I don't know say 4231 mm-hmm. and include Shakiri with his front three I, I've got a suspicion he won't I, I just think with with the way it's such a strange situation isn't it, where if you win 1-0 you go through but suddenly, you know, if you concede one, you need three. If you concede two, you need four. I, I, I just think he may well just hold back someone like Shakiri And we and we may see it going back to a four-three-three.
1: 3 3 um, The yeah, I mean, is just
0: vital, isn't it? It's just it will make it all makes such a difference not conceding.
1: So you, you both think that he'd be tempted to be more cagey? Because I, I tend to think that, Connor, surely attack is the best form of defence in in this game? because. You've got, you got to score one, but if you score two, then surely you're in the driver's seat anyway, are you not?
0: Uh, I think so. Um, you know for a fact, though, Napoli are going to come out and are going to try and score, because if they score, that makes Liverpool's task so much harder. But I think if you pick a sort of defensively-minded team and you can stop Napoli scoring, then you're in with a really good shout especially when you know 1-0 gets you through. Um, I think that will be how Klopp looks at it, to be honest. Okay. Be- just because that result... And just stopping Napoli, not scoring, is the absolute key. We all know Liverpool can score goals, but Napoli can also defend. So, if Liverpool can defend well, you, you'd back someone like Salah to, to get a goal during the game.
1: James, you've been to Anfield on many of the special, special nights. Does it have the makings of one of them tomorrow?
2: <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah, and I and I, I'd be absolutely amazed if if Liverpool do it the easy way because um, <laughs> it, it just it just doesn't tend to be part of their makeup, does it? You, know, you think back to some of the nights we've had at Anfield under under Jurgen Klopp and you know obviously the, the one against Dortmund sticks out massively um you know and the, Villarreal in Villarreal in that in that run as well and then you know of course last season some unbelievable ones here against City and and Roma um yeah i i mean they Anfield will be absolutely rocking i think you know i, I don't think Napoli will be with, with the wealth of experience they've got i, I don't think They'll find it a massively intimidating place in terms of, um, you know. I, I think they will have they will have experienced things like it before. I, I actually think it might be quite cagey. I just it, that, that's why I just think it's going to be so intriguing what he does go with because, like I said, my suspicion is he goes with solidity um, and organisation in midfield, knowing almost in the feeling that Liverpool don't need to chase the game in the first 30, 40 minutes and that you know. Nil nil at half time is not the end of the world. I don't think it's. I don't think I don't, I'd be. I'd be very surprised if it's the kind of game where Liverpool absolutely fly out of the traps and try and score two or three in the first twenty twenty five minutes. I, you know, it's. I think we've seen a more pragmatic side to Klopp this season with the way that he set Liverpool up, um, and I think his respect for Napoli and his respect for Ancelotti um, may well have a, an influence on the on the team that he picks and. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder whether we might see like a midfield of even say say Fabino, without and Cater, something like that, rather than a a more ambitious four two three one where you find room for Shakiri and the front three.
1: Interesting. Well, I'll get your predictions and your starting lineups in a minute, but first, James, I just quickly want to touch on Joe Gomez's new contract. Um, Great news for Liverpool, albeit. When I see new contracts these days, I don't know about you, but I sort of just shrug and think, "Well, that's great." You know, as long as they they don't have a year to left run on a deal, I don't put a lot of great thoughts into contracts. First, James, what what sort of what does this news mean for Liverpool, and how impressed have you been with Gomez this season?
2: Yeah, well, I think it, it, the fact that he's been given this contract is just reward for. You know the amazing development we've seen in him in the in the last i think it was I think it was only january january 2017 I think was his last contract so it's it's you you're right it's not like one of those contracts where it was running down and Liverpool desperately needed to kind of protect their investment or anything like that. I think it just is the case that you know he he has catapulted himself to such a level now that Liverpool accepted that development needed to be recognized and um no great surprise that negotiations were wrapped up so quickly i think it was late october when, when they when they first picked up the phone to his agent and oh, man, um is quick, so we're we'll talking about you know 5 mm. 6 weeks down the line it's all it's all done and dusted and you know great great timing as well for gomez and after after the you know the heartache of suffering that leg fracture at burnley last week um you know brilliant for him to have all this sorted and i just you know, it shows how happy he is at liverpool and how happy Klopp is to have him, because we're we're talking about a, a young player that, you know, hopefully, you know, will 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 spend, if, if not the rest of his career, then certainly a huge chunk of it at Liverpool, because, you know, he's, he's such an absolute class act and, you know, he's had to triumph in the face of adversity with some of the things he's been through since he joined from Charlton. But um, yeah, I mean, pound for pound, I, I can't think really of, of, of any better signings Liverpool have made in the, in the Premier League era, three and a half million quid from Charlton. And now you're talking about a player that's first choice for club and country.
1: Connor, excited?
0: Yeah. And, and I, what I just wanted to add is I thought it was so telling and really nice to see Joe Gomez's interview afterwards. He just talked about the fact that he loved Liverpool, loved playing for the club. He could feel the history, could feel the passion. said throughout the thing, what I really liked is, you know, He's an incredible talent. He's a young, incredible talent, and he could pretty much go anywhere at that age with that ability. But he just said that he... I know players say things all the time, but he just felt genuine when he said that he wanted to spend the rest of his career at Liverpool if they'd have him. And I was just like, you know, he seems pretty grounded, he seems like a lovely guy, and Klopp's alluded to that as well. And I just think, he was yeah, it's a really, really good move.
1: And you look like a happy man. <laughs> I am, yeah, I really rate him. He is, he is one, one hell of a centre-half. Right, time for do predictions and line So first of all, the line-up... Um, obviously, Allison in goal. Um, back for? I don't think we're going to see Milner right back, are we again, James? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think Trent's absolutely nailed on to come back in. Obviously, Robertson on the left, and then you know, although it would be harsh on Matip considering how well he plays at the weekend, I think as long as as long as Lovren comes through training okay today, um, then then I, I you know I'd certainly go with Lovren and Van Dijk.
1: I've got a feeling you're going to say Matip. I am indeed
0: Yeah. Um, just because of the rhythm of the last two games and if somebody's in form then play them
1: well that means I have the decisive vote and dun, 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 I'm going to go with Lovren I just think Lovren's the man for a bigger occasion than Matic he's a better defender I would yeah. agree yeah.
0: Um, I'm not under any illusion to the fact that he would he's a better player but I just think form I would pick Matic but hey
1: ok Okay. so are we going
0: 4-2-3-1 uh, I'm one fitting
1: Shakirian well James, what do you think? 4-2-3-1? No, I'm
2: going four three three. Four, three three for James,
1: but a defensive four three
2: three. Uh, you said you want
1: to be cagey, or do you think he will be cagey? Would you be cagey?
2: Uh, do you know what? I, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm thinking he will be, and I kind of can see where he's coming from. So that's why I'm erring on that side as well. And I also think if we see the dynamic cater that that we've that we've had glimpses of in the last few times we've seen him in a Liverpool shirt, then having him as one of the three in midfield it it's not it's not a three in midfield that sometimes people would point at and say where's the creativity or the spark or the dynamism coming from which is obviously often the complaint when you see Henderson, Winaldum, and Milner line up together
1: so your midfield three would be who i,
2: I would go personally with Fabino, Winaldum, and Kater
1: are you happy with that or would you, do you you want to change you know formation or are you? No I am happy with that because
0: as James it, said there, you know, Keita has been shown his little bits of spark that, you know, against West Ham, against Burnley, against Bournemouth at the weekend, so, you know, he's starting to show, that. and I think Fabinho always looks to get Liverpool in the front he foot as well, does, yeah. so I think that's pretty positive in terms of that as a midfield free. I don't think he looks too defensive, so yeah, I would I would say the same.
1: Do you know what, you have a little clean sweep there because I think I, I think he should be bolder rather than cagey, but I do think that is the midfield to get the job done. And then the front free I suppose just picks itself does it not as ever as ever James no no, no problems there um,
2: no 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 I don't think I don't think uh, no, that will be keeping Krupp awake though. tonight no I think he'll I think he'll know what front three he's going with yeah.
1: okay predictions Connor you first ooh 3-1 three, 3-1 one. Three, one. the hard way
0: the hard way as always A late goal of course of
1: course James
2: uh, Liverpool 1-0 one, 1-0 nil.
1: One, nil. Yeah, late goal or, or do you think they'll they'll score? Yeah, because- I
2: think I think it'll be about reasonably late. I'm going to go to, uh, twenty minutes to go.
1: Yeah,
2: I think it'll. I, I just I don't know. You know, might uh, maybe, maybe that energy and, and and stuff in the stands or, or or just lead Liverpool to absolutely go out Napoli from the start. But I don't know. I just I just think the way that the dynamic of the of the match is set up, it, it, they might have to be patient, and I don't think. I, don't, I think that might be the way that Klopp approaches it, anyway.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to be ultra positive here, and having just said that people are underestimating Napoli, I'm going to underestimate Napoli and say I think Liverpool win four-one <laughs> tomorrow. And I think I, I think that Liverpool will step up and really deliver tomorrow. I've just got I've got a feeling. I hope I'm right, and I think that I think Napoli will score a goal to make us all doubt ourselves, but I think Liverpool will get the job done in quite emphatic fashion.
0: Well, I look forward to watching that, Joe Rimmer. I,
1: I hope I'm right. All right then, but lads, thank you, thank you very much, James. Thank you for calling in. Um, is it Carlo Ancelotti now you're waiting on? What time time's he due? Uh, yeah, I think I've
2: got about, uh, I've got about an hour to, uh, to type up Klopp and, and Van Dyke before, mm. yeah, Ancelotti's due here at 5.15, I think it
1: is. Great stuff. Connor, thanks very much. Thank you, Jay. And Let's hope that we're talking on Friday when Liverpool have done the business. Uh, looking forward to a Champions League draw and we're looking forward to Manchester United. Goodbye. <laughs>